0: And now, friends, here's today's word. The members of the Uncontrolled Airspace podcast are participating as private individuals. Their comments do not necessarily represent the views of the various organizations they work with.
1: Also, anything you hear on this podcast that sounds like advice on aircraft operation is obviously very general. You should always consider your own situation, remember your training, and fly the airplane. But I bet you knew that.
2: The, do you remember the, uh, do you remember the Saturday Night Live, uh, character Mike, Mike Myers, was it Mike Myers, sure. um, who did, uh, what was the woman's name, the talk show host woman that he played, um, you know, where... Oh, uh, coffee talk? Yeah, that's right. And she would, and she would, like, whenever she'd get really emotional, she'd, like, pat herself on the chest and say, I'm, I'm so... I'm getting I'm so off. I'm so... Getting all clamped, Yes. Verklampt. And so, there's a United, is it United? There's a United pilot, all right, who, uh... This is a story from aeronews.net. You no,
1: know, man, I saw that on a couple of other the aviation wire services. United Pilot announces he's too upset to fly. He
2: cancels the flight. Said, you know, uh, good for him. Uh, you, yeah. United not, Pilot in Salt Lake City may have taken a page from the flight instructor's playbook. Uh, he took the uh, I'm safe checklist to determine. Yeah? Are, we, are we rolling now? Sure. Oh, okay. <laughs> Why? Were you going to curse? No, not even more so than normal. <laughs> anyway, he deserved, he determined that his E for emotion was too high, and for the flight that day, at least, that, at least that's how he explained it to the passengers in the cabin intercom. According to one passenger, so. uh it, it, Well, it, it, re- reading that, um, reading some of the news coverage
0: of that a little bit further, um apparently this is some
2: kind of hazing or labor.
0: Yeah, that's going. what I
2: think. I think it's a. I think it's an unofficial it's, job action, is basically.
0: Well, it, it was an unofficial job action, and and I forget. Where,
2: do we have a link to this? Uh, yeah, yeah. it's in the lower, lower. Scroll down the list. It's there. You it know. says yeah. for
1: Klempt. Oh, that's the one. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm. You know, hey, can you? Me? It was a buried lead. Well, they put well, it at the beginning. That's, that's right. right. Yeah, I buried yeah, it. Yeah, and
0: and um, this was a United flight. Um, four sixteen you know, something from something, yeah, something about cats Denver.
2: or something I read somewhere. Um Oh that's right. Uh, yeah, they he had been criticized for either wearing or not wearing his hat exactly. while wandering it's around the terminal. Some kind of a job or like action or solidarity thing. And and he uh, was seen by as you, as and you know uh-huh. and the fact that he did this out in the open it just was so it it seems so so scripted, you know, so staged because he was standing there on the ramp while the passengers were boarding, you know, having this emotional conversation into his cell phone and then uh and then he and then he made an announcement to the passengers. I'm looking for the quote that that said what because he, he he said uh, oh well, it's in here someplace. Uh, but basically he said you know I'm 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 just so worked up from this thing. You many of you heard me you know making this phone call and uh, oh and here it is. Uh, th- this is a quote from a passenger and the passenger said i'm roughly paraphrasing here but the pilot came on the pa and said some of you may have witnessed an incident i was involved in at the gate i'm not going to go into details but it was an interpersonal confrontation that upset me significantly to the point where i'm not focused enough to fly you to denver i feel i, I feel like i may not be calmed and focused enough to fly to denver for another hour and so uh and I, I don't know, you know.
0: I, I, well, you the, know, I think he made the right decision. I, I think he might want to consider practicing a little bit greater self control. And I don't know who this guy is, and don't know him, you know, yada yada yada. But um,
1: ultimately,
0: well, we, so what, right we also don't know
1: you what also don't know what kind of personal attack he might have endured right, from some right. of we his colleagues.
0: We, we don't know what's what 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 his stimulus was. We don't know. What other, you know, sideline stuff might be going on in the background here? Ultimately, he made the right decision. That's right. In, in the, end of discussion. And the, not only should the airline support him on this, the FAA should support him on this, and his fellow pilots should, should support him. On this. exactly, Irrespective of the um, uh, underlying reasons for his t- making this decision, he made ultimately the correct decision. End of discussion. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Except I you know, I mean, when Oh, it's not the end of the discussion. Okay. When well, no, well, no, when <laughs> when, a, when a union when a union sort of quietly organizes a sick out in order to make a point, is that a reasonable Thing, you know, because I mean, it, well, it, it really depends on I guess we've got to read this guy the guy's mind to know what was really going through his head. If he was genuinely troubled by an incident that he did not, you know, sort of drive, then I agree with you completely. That was the right choice to make. But if this was just a way of kind of striking back because he was pissed off that they were giving him a hard time, about his hat um, or whatever, whatever labor issue was bugging him. All right. Then I think it was an abuse and I think it wasn't a good decision.
1: Well, but see, the thing is, if if he's striking out at somebody by not flying, uh, it's not hurting the union that it didn't that he didn't fly. I mean, it actually kind of plays to their cause. Uh, so it's hard at the cost for me to conceive passengers who are trying to get it, someplace. You know, it's hard for me to conceive that you know, that trying to get inside his head or not. I got to take it as word that it was the confrontation. Challenging him for wearing his hat when the union leadership had asked him not to wear hats any place where they might be seen by management, well, that makes a big statement in a little way uh, that the general public's not going to pick up on at all uh, they will pick up on a cancelled flight, and that doesn 't hurt the, the the pilots union so I got to go with you know jib and I've I got to give the guy the benefit of the doubt that uh he, you know, it's been flying a long time and wearing that hat in public all those years. So you don't necessarily just turn that off as a matter of course. You know, very innocent uh, possibility. Oh, you put your hat on. Uh, didn't mean to. Uh, and I'm not saying that that's necessarily the case either. All I know is that if the guy's encounter was sufficiently disturbing that he couldn't focus on the job at hand, he shouldn't be trying to do the job at hand right and 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 that made this the the right call and that couldn't be easy either because even if the airlines not gonna do anything official to uh, uh, discipline the guy for this uh, and nothing there I see where they should but that's their business they're gonna do it the way they think uh, is best for them and uh, this is gonna be stuck over him for the rest of the time he flies the line He's yeah. always going to be known in, inside true. that little circle as the guy that walked off a flight because he got uh, uh, emotional after a confrontation with a fellow union member. Uh, that's yeah, true. will always true. be in
0: his jacket.
2: Now, I find uh, it ironic that I'm the oh, cynical
1: yeah. one of the three here. It's like,
2: well, <laughs> it's like you guys are both. <laughs> I, I, yes, I, I feel for I mean, the guy. He was. I making, think it, you know. what I think you're, I
0: hear you saying, Jack, is that um, you're you're maybe doubting the sincerity. With well, which he said that he was too upset. I think it's suspect. I don't know for you sure what sus- was going on okay, there. But, I understand. But. I don't know for sure what's going on there either. Um, reading between the lines, I don't understand the significance of hat or no hat. Okay, But there is so much I, about uh, uh, airline employee unions... And their interactions with management that i don 't understand that this is just you know a drop in the bucket um, yeah, I, I what, guess what I, you
1: don 't know could fill volumes
0: what i don 't know could fill volumes, and i would I would guess that maybe even the the uh, union members don 't know a whole lot don 't know everything there is to know about what 's going on, having said all of that um yeah, I've got to give the guy the benefit of the doubt based on the facts as I understand them and uh, um, yeah,
1: and it doesn't seem like this is some kind of mass action because we haven't heard of another since
0: okay well, 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 yeah every, every pilot for United all of a sudden says I'm too upset to fly today <laughs> that
2: would be great <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right the, yeah, that would be interesting. That would probably free up some slots in the New York area. That's right.
0: <laughs> well, you know, American would be on time that day. <laughs> <laughs>
1: welcome oh, man. welcome no. folks to episode number eighty eight
2: of Uncontrolled Airspace, the general. <laughs> Getting older every episode. That's right. We're recording this episode. Able on, wear my teeth on Thursday evening, June 26, thousand and eight. And uh, why start now. Let me say hi to my friends <laughs> who are in the virtual hangar. That voice is uh well, it's not his voice, but that making that voice was Dave Higdon. And Dave's talking to us from Wichita, Kansas. Hi Dave, how you doing?
1: Doing good. Finder and frog here, see uh as the man would say. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So what you been up to? Anything fun? Uh no. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right, doing this podcast. It's been a calm uh, week. No tornadoes and uh you know.
1: No, it's settled into uh, not unseasonably hot, actually, you know, uh, kind of moderate and humid and haven't had any thunderstorms or uh, tornado warnings or watches uh, in several days now. And it's like, ah, very yeah. nice. Yeah. Starting to see a lot more little airplanes in the air, but not near in the volume that we should for this time of year, which is kind of a topic all its own. But doing well, Good. alive, upright, taking nourishment, and was not in this morning's obit page. So. There you go. There you go. All, all good things. All good things. All also good here.
2: Things. Also here in the hangar is uh, Jeb Burnside. Jeb's talking to us from Sarasota, Florida. Hi, Jeb. Hi, Jack. How you doing? Good. Good. So uh, now I'm. See, I'm. Func- I'm focusing on this thunderstorm thing for a reason. Have you been? That's right. We talked about this. You don't have daily thunderstorms down there this time of year. Is that right? Well, we do actually. Although yesterday and today we we did not have one. At least. Uh, at least on top
0: of me. Today is kind of odd, actually. Um, Woke up, it was clear blue sky, and then later in the morning, uh, I should say at dawn, it was clear blue sky, and, and then uh, later in the morning, uh, it started clouding up, and it's been layered and been threatening rain all day. It's been very cool, I'd say maybe 75, 78, uh, humid. Um sun 's not penetrating, so it 's just been kind of a, a an amazingly dreary day it's one of the first ones i 've seen down here mm. since i 've been down here almost a year and uh, um, it 's just one of those you know odd little days yeah. I, I looked at the radar earlier and there were some some storms moving up out of fort Myers um, but off in the gulf and and just never came ashore
2: yeah. they're headed to Disney World. That's right. In Southern California they call that June gloom. It's very common. June gloom. Yes, June gloom that's, a good, that's in, a good word. Down uh, in particularly south of LA, um in this time of year it can be overcast a lot and uh even though it's nice out it's it's you know dismal like that and they call it June gloom. And I am Jack Hodgson. I am here back in uh, in Boston, Massachusetts, but not for long. I'm uh, this will actually be the last, I think, if things go according to plan. This will be the last podcast that I do here from uh, from Boston, where I've been living for a while, and uh, I'm about halfway move through my move up to Dover, New Hampshire, um, which is uh, how far of, is that? It's about an hour and fifteen minute drive. It's just inland from Portsmouth. If you, most people know where ports Portsmouth is, sort of is right on the northern. See, so you, you get you get. You know, north of um, or north or east
0: of, uh, say, Westchester County or Long Island, and the <laughs> geography just uh,
2: um, escapes me. Yeah, I well, if you, if you can picture the uh, New England seacoast, the uh, the the state line between Maine and New Hampshire. Uh, Portsmouth is just uh, at the very just below the state line in New Hampshire, and if you head inland about ten minutes by car, uh, you're you get to Dover, and uh, that's that's where I'm going to be living. Is Portsmouth a coastal city? It, uh, strictly speaking, no. It's actually uh, up the river just a little bit. Um, newcastle right, a couple actually. of miles or something. not even that maybe well yeah probably a couple of miles um, but it's sort of at the key point of the harbor that's formed by all these it's it's very much a you know kind of a boston harbor thing in miniature with like all sorts of islands forming, right, okay. forming it's a harbor. port it is a port town it was a big time port town way back when back in the back in the early days it was uh, it's the it's the uh, the site of the uh, the first US naval shipyard. Oh
1: wow. Uh, so will you be closer to a little airport to fly out of when you're up there?
2: Yeah, well, I'll be closer to the one that I've been calling home for a while now, which is Skyhaven in Rochester, New Hampshire. How uh, far will that be? Now? That's about a 15-minute drive. Oh, oh cool. Yeah. Oh, outstanding. Yeah. Yeah, yeah excellent. Yeah. So that's that's going to be good. Uh and the reason I was talking about thunderstorms is just to kind of finish the weather slot here. Thought here is that, um, can, you know, in the never-ending changes to to the way weather works, it, it, weather is changing these days. Um, We've been getting daily thunderstorms, afternoon thunderstorms here almost every day for like three or four weeks now. Even while I was away over in in Las Vegas, they were getting these big thunderstorms. Well, the, those are the day.
1: same bands of gypsies that have been coming that were coming through here for about three yeah, weeks.
2: I guess so, right, you know, right. And, uh, so uh, you know, we get afternoon thunderstorms, but it's
1: unusual to get them like basically every day for just. Just think of time. us here, uh, east of the Front Range of the Rockies, as your early warning system. That's right. That's right. sometimes for the upper east coast sometimes for the lower east coast sometimes for the middle east coast but it, it all comes from here first so this is episode
2: 88 of our little podcast here and uh, and you know it never ceases to amaze me that we've built this into an incredibly influential mechanism in the world, you know? Yes,
0: and indeed. We've,
2: yes. We've, we've influenced people. I mean, I'm very proud to say we've influenced people to either resume or begin flight training, which is very, very cool. Um, then we discovered that we had some influence on convincing, or not convincing, but in, in EAA deciding to create the affordable flight center at uh, Air Venture this summer, and that's pretty cool. Now it turns out that we have, uh, directly or indirectly, uh, convinced Delta to add Leinenkugel beer to their menu on their flights we,
0: we have gone beyond general aviation and oh. now have our fingers in commercial scheduled aviation. That's right. in, in, in a little way we've made right. the
2: airlines a better experience huh jeb you came across this story what, what's the deal here i i saw this uh this
0: this uh, PR newswater uh, email uh popped into my inbox earlier today and then i said hmm I think I'll forward this to Jack and Dave. But basically uh Lion and Kugel beer um out of uh, I can't I don't have the press release in front of me um uh out of Wisconsin uh has been selected by Delta Airlines as a uh, on board uh choice for their passengers. Um, it's, it's quite a coup, I think, for Line and, and and uh, it's, a, it's a good move for, for Delta. These airlines these days have to start offering something to distinguish themselves, other than delays. Yeah. So Lineage line is probably as good a choice as any. That's
1: right. Well, it it you know Delta came from an old family tradition of uh, southern people uh, That's right. Well Delta started, started as a crop dusting service. That's right. A crop crop dusting company down in the uh, Delta country and, uh, yeah, down in Mississippi uh, and yeah. line, line is uh Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin family brew since 1867. Uh that slightly before I, the airplane. Slightly before the Wright brothers did it. Now, who knows? It's conceivable that the Wright brothers might have had a lineys in Dayton. Yeah, you know, we would not want to start an
0: unfounded rumor here. No, but no, no, no. but you know,
2: stranger things have happened.
1: Oh, and on this podcast, many strange things have happened. That's right. Well, and apparently uh, if
2: Wichita, And apparently, if we say it, it will become true eventually. So, uh,
1: well, and, and uh, if, you,
2: if you say anything, you guys no.
1: remember? You guys remember the little uh, uh, barbecue and wings place that we hit last year at Oshkosh? Uh, going to have to narrow it down. Yeah, a little really. Bit. Uh I'm sorry. Uh What's yes. the young lady that's no longer with us? Uh,
2: um, Melissa. 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 Just yeah, was sorry. wild about By it. By the way, she just she doesn't work there anymore. You make it sound like
1: she died. I'm <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Yeah, she she moved on to a different career. Yeah, okay. Uh, so a different so, job. Yeah, Buffalo d- Wild Wings. Oh, oh, you know, that's I don't right. mean to plug a yeah. chain. That's but right. uh, yeah. they, there are, I didn't know it at the time that we were in Wisconsin last year when it was brand new and everybody was all fired up about it. And it was good. I mean, and got home and mentioned it. And a friend of mine, another pilot, says, oh, yeah, there's been two here for a couple of years now. And I was like, get the hell out. <laughs> <laughs> so I took Annie to it, uh, my bride partner, and you know, not too long in the future to be part airplane owner again. In yeah, right. We visited the, the the Buffalo Wild Wings over in West Wichita. Uh-huh. And I'd forgotten I didn't expect to see Liney's on the menu here. I looked at the menu up there and saw Line and Kugels on the Buffalo Wild Wings menu and thought, well that fits. We're in Wisconsin. But I wanna know, but, was it in the was it in
2: the regular beer list or the imported Yeah, foods? yeah, yeah. Oh, it was part of
1: their part too. of their regular menu. Okay.
2: Well, good for Delta. They're coming around. Maybe that's where I should be doing my flying for and a and while. We should point out at this stage that, <clears throat> and pardon me for
0: clearing my throat. We should point out at this stage that we have no relationship whatsoever with Line and Google. No, we don't uh, get free beer from them. We well, don't. Sorry, get yeah, that's uh, right. We don't hats we don't get or t-shirts or money. Like 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 we, we, we can be had. Yeah,
2: that's we can right. be convinced.
0: Yeah, that's right. You know, to, to accept a free case of beer every. Yeah. Now. See, I was going to say that we don't but get any money or any any value
2: from them. we, we clearly have a very Intimate relationship with with the beer, but that's right. But Clear the, the, uh, the
1: well. my local liquor store considers it a microbrew, which means that buying it on Wednesdays gets you a fifteen percent discount. So, well, you know, I, I still uh, we are I'm accepting discounts on our line and Kugels on Wednesdays.
0: Yeah. I'm still grappling with the fact that your local liquor store knows you by first name.
1: Yeah. That's right. All
2: right. we got I can hear listeners screaming now. We've got to talk about airplanes. Um, airplanes. Oh, yeah. Airplanes. Well, we Okay, Delta. Well, okay. we
1: were talking about aviation, right? I mean, we That's were talking right. about a pilot being smart yep. and not being stupid, <laughs> which is one of the mottos. That's right. Don't do Don't something stupid. stupid. Don't be stupid. Here we go. Here's a
2: story from... Uh, from the AOPA Pilot blog, uh, it's uh, announcing a new uh, a new turbine conversion. I'm going to read a couple paragraphs here. The headline is new. How do you say the Soloy S O L Soloy Soloy newest Soloy, Soloy conversion targets police. Soloy Aviation Solutions newest turbine conversion, the Mark II upgrade for the uh, in production. Uh, Garmin G1000-equipped Cessna 206H is nearing FAA certification and aimed squarely at the law enforcement community. According to Dave Stauffer, uh, Soloy's CEO, the Mark II will be perfect for the police departments and security agencies needing a proven high-wing turboprop, smaller and less expensive than the $1.6 million Cessna 208
1: Caravan. You Place- know, if you took the struts off the wings in this photograph, yeah. it would look so much like an extra 500 mm-hmm, yeah uh, it's something about the cowl and the high wing and 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 the you know the 87 blade prop yeah, yeah. Uh uh-huh. right. it says here
2: priced at five hundred and sixty one
1: thousand dollars, the upgrade
2: employs an updated version of the Rolls Royce Allison two fifty B seventeen F engine, offering four hundred and twenty horsepower and thermodynamic improvements that allow increased power to be carried all the way to ten thousand feet MSL. So yeah. here's my question for you guys who probably know a lot more about this than I do, and and other than being able to fly really high, what is the virtue of having a, a turbine engine in your small aircraft? One of the principal virtues is being
0: able to get fuel. Okay. This is, uh, although he says, uh, be perfect for police departments and security agencies, uh, quoting the the, the uh, CEO of Soloy. Basically, this is really um, uh, um, a foreign... Or, or international uh, product. It's aimed mainly I would think at other countries and their law enforcement or their air forces um... um because hunter low led is while we have at least for the time being access to hunter low lead here in the US and other areas of the world hunter low Led just isn't available or isn't as as available or it costs more than than jet A
1: well, so even these days, Jet A is cheaper than 100 low lead.
0: How much does uh, Jet A cost? I never looked. I'm not sure about that, Dave. I'm not sure about that. All the I prices know. I've diesel seen in the last couple fuel. of weeks,
1: including something I saw quoted on Abweb today. Now, it wasn't a huge difference, but it was like yeah. 15 or yeah. $0.20. Cents.
0: Okay, I know diesel fuel locally here in Florida is, uh, shall we say, a little bit more expensive. Uh, much is relative, but a little bit more expensive than... Uh, well, here on Avweb today, you know, they've got a fuel finder. The um, fuel finder says Jet A is five ninety one. Hundred low Led is five fifty four. I'm sorry, I got it backward, didn't I? Um, uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah. May, well, you know, it may have changed. No, uh, but again, thinking. it's not so much
1: the price; it's the availability se, as,
0: as the availability. And in some areas of the world, a Jet A is cheaper.
1: Well, then, you know, there's a few things here. I mean, 420 shaft horsepower and an engine that's flat rated, a <laughs> turbine that's flat rated down to 420, is capable of delivering the torque of a lot greater uh, as it climbs. Like they said, you're good for that much horsepower uh, up to 10,000 feet. Uh, that that's phenomenal. Uh, that means that puppy's gonna should be able to carry more weight which it's going to need to because the existing fuel capacity of a 206 uh, is going to give it really short legs at the fuel flows that a kerosene burner is going to do. Right. If it burns 17 an hour with the uh, big-inch Lycoming that was in it, it's probably going to burn 25 an hour with that Allison. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe get as good as 22 an hour at cruise, low-torque low cruise. Uh, it's going to be beaucoup quiet particularly with the five-blade prop, because the prop only turns 2,000 RPM, and that's fairly constant throughout the speed range. Well, you don't have a lot of blade noise, but what about the turbine itself? (sighs) Yeah, yeah. well, that depends on how well they uh, insulate the cowling against the noise, because in some installations, that Allison 250 can be uncomfortable to listen to up close, not as bad as the old Garrett's.
0: Not as bad as the Garrett Grenades, no.
1: Right. Not but, as bad uh, as the old Garrett engines, but uh, yeah. well ahead of uh, uh, the, of, of the uh, run-of-the-mill PT6. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, the What's, other thing here, too, yeah. is uh, you get into, shall we say, less well-developed countries, uh, and you get into situations where there are, is a lot of more mountainous terrain than we have here in North America. Um Chile, Brazil, Argentina, whatever, and um, a, a, a turbine engine on this airplane, uh, especially with the um, uh, the flat-rated uh, horsepower and the uh, uh, from what it says here about thermodynamic improvements, um, we're talking about basically being able to to pull uh, higher temps. Um, yeah. in high and hot situations. So this is just a, a, a major performance boost for high and hot operations uh, in the 206 platform. Soloy has been around a while. Yeah. Uh, they've been doing these turbine conversions, Dave, 20 years?
1: Oh, yeah, <coughs> at least as far as I can remember.
0: They, they've done 206s. Um, uh, they've they got did other
1: a dual air- pack for the caravan. Uh-huh. Put two uh-huh. engines in one cow, uh, going through a gearbox to drive one prop, with a, uh, a shear link that would mm-hmm. disconnect a dead engine if one should right. fail. Really? Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. It is quite quite a piece of engineering, uh, and one of those one of those installations that is uh, got found far more popularity in remote parts of the world. Uh, than in highly uh, developed parts of the world like the United States, uh, most of Europe uh, the northern parts of Africa, very little mm-hmm. of South America though, and very little of Africa, relatively speaking. Whole big swaths of Asia, we having two motors, is going to be uh, far preferred. My only question about this puppy is the, the the people buying it must really consider these things worthwhile because you throw in a. I noticed they talking about the G1000 equipped Cessna mm-hmm. that they're using as a foundation for this. Yeah. I can't quote a price for a new 206 with the G1000 package in it. I don't know, but what I remember pretty concretely is when you throw the price of the conversion on top of that you're you know in in a in in the very cozy neighborhood of a million bucks hmm.
2: what's hmm. the state of the art on these turbine engines these days a bunch of years ago of course the big thing with Williams and the you know when when what became the eclipse well like what eventually led to the eclipse um, small jets you know the big deal was having small jet engines yeah uh, and uh, are, you know are we ever gonna see a jet engine in a 152 or an NLSA I mean is that where this the, the technology is headed you think the the problem
0: with that is is we come back to the thermodynamic uh, uh, characteristics of a turbine engine um, there the this aircraft engine, or turbine engines that small cannot be made efficient Because the materials, the high-temperature materials, don't really exist um, to allow um, the the efficiencies that we see with piston engines, turbocharged (laughs) piston engines. Now, I did come across something today, however. Yeah. uh, I should have should have put it on the list. Excuse me. Pratt and Whitney um, is announcing that it's come up with a new turbofan engine. Uh, specifically, right now, anyway, targeting what they what are called single aisle airliners like the uh, the seven thirty seven or the Airbus three hundred and twenty, um, which is basically a uh, a geared turbine turbofan.
1: Yeah, uh, they, they've been yeah, working they, on the, this the, for a while. Yeah, the yeah.
0: compressor side of the engine is geared at, to rotate at one third the speed of the turbine section, so that um, it, but as, as the article explained, and I'm just kind of regurgitating what it said, basically said a, a slower turning fan is more efficient to compress the air, but once the air is, um, Uh, compressed and mixed with fuel, and the fuel is ignited, and you try to expel that, you want that turbine turning at a higher speed. So you have to put some kind of a gear between the two to make it all fit together. And apparently Pratt & Whitney has broken the code here uh, and has such an engine. uh, They're saying, um, and please don't hold me to this, but they're saying roughly 20% Fuel savings over right. current yeah, the specific, technology, yeah, yeah which are, and the current technology engines are already fairly efficient compared to say 20 years ago. In yeah, I was going to say
1: 50 percent more efficient yeah, than 20 yeah, years and ago. and if
0: you look at you know the aircraft that carriers are retiring to right now currently for reasons of fuel efficiency they were you know the bees knees twenty years ago right yeah. md eighties and and uh... uh earlier seven threes and what not like that um, they were the most efficient things available twenty years ago and now they're being put out to pasture yeah. What's well the- and
1: there's the, the this uh, geared turbofan that you're talking about yeah. uh... also gears down the uh... inlet fan speed huh. in the same manner They're able to build it more efficiently with fewer blades, Uh
0: taking bigger
1: Uh bites. Uh okay at those slower speeds so there's some manufacturing advantages in this Mm -hmm. the fact that they don't have to turn at the extreme RPMs or carry the extreme pressure changes across multiple stages like they used to Uh, you know the bigger blades mean it can mean lower pressure per square inch of blade as you go through the progressive stages of compression there's some manufacturing uh, possible possible manufacturing efficiencies and benefits here go along with it. But the bypass fan, they're able yeah. to capture a lot more air than they were able to before by slowing the fan down and, in, and increasing the surface area of the blades with fewer blades. Mm-hmm. And they're getting higher bypass ratios as well, if I remember what I read correctly, so which is like free thrust. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. it's, it's really really something but you were asking about smaller turbo or smaller fans smaller turbo fans, right? for ever smaller or aircraft smaller turbines of some sort right yeah. and i'm interviewed a vp at williams a couple of months ago for uh-huh. a, a client's package uh uh matt huff uh, matt's a sharp guy he's one of the few people at williams that is not an engineer uh <laughs> and, and, okay.
0: I understand. Yeah, what you're which saying. We, we, thought that was, which was good too. because yeah, right. he, he was used to said.
1: having this stuff translated so he could speak in English to other people. Okay. Uh, but it, the technology is available to make very small fans. Yeah. With with really good specific fuel consumption so that the uh, you know for the pound of weight and the pound of thrust you're going to have more pounds of thrust, per, then and then you have pounds of of engine for one thing, uh, like the uh, uh, the EJ22 that they started out using on the Eclipse and didn't wasn't quite ready for prime time. Uh, they can do those engines. The problem is that as you go smaller and go lighter, the economies of manufacturing expense don't drop with the weight mm-hmm. and the thrust that you're developing. Mm-hmm. They stay really close to the same levels that it takes to do the bigger engines. And I'm not talking about big airliner engines. I'm talking about the bigger Williams engines or the 600 series Pratt's. And until there's a way to build an engine in that thrust range that has a proportionally similar drop in manufacturing expenses, and the cost of building it, it's really not going to be practical to market for the airplanes that would use it. Yeah. You'd just be talking about a ridiculously high percentage of the airplane wrapped up in the engine and you know, with the airframe that you're getting a really small step to get a, a much more robust larger capacity airframe for a very small difference because of how much is wrapped up in the engine. So,
2: Just to give okay. me some context here, so what's the fuel burn on, a, on the Eclipse uh, VLJ?
1: Approximately. Oh, know.
2: anybody know? Well,
1: well they yeah, used to they used to promote a number in yeah. direct operating costs of about a dollar fifteen a mile. Yeah, that's that's. That uh, cool. that was with the old engines. I think it went up in the neighborhood of a buck sixty a mile.
2: Let's go look. Uh, uh, and I'm I'm curious I, how that might compare to, say, for example, Jeb's airplane.
0: Well, here's, not here's as good. My, here's my rule of thumb. Not, yeah, not as good. It, of course, uh, it's going to go faster and higher. Um, I guess we I, I, One rule of thumb I would use would be a King Air ninety is in cruise is going to burn about thirty gallons an hour per side. Okay. Okay. Yeah, thirty gallons an hour a side. That's a turboprop. Um, prop. That's a turboprop. prop. Um, the. Uh, the eclipse, uh, and I'm going to uh, throw a swag out there. I'm going to guess in cruise, the eclipse is going to be 25 aside, maybe 20 gallons an hour aside okay. in cruise. But I have no, that's just a swag. I have nothing on which to
2: base that. And here's a number you really don't know the answer. What's the fuel burn going to be on this new, littler eclipse jet?
0: Well, it's only got one engine, doesn't it? Yeah, and it's smaller. Yeah, it's, the it's the same efficiency. engine.
1: It's, it's the same But it's engine. a smaller airplane. It's going right.
0: to be the same. It's the same engine. Yeah. Same engine, so it's going to be 20 gallons an hour. Okay.
1: And Anyways. of course,
0: they, they do it in pounds on jets. But again, that's in cruise also. Um, so I'm, I'm finally loading the. Uh, let's see. Cruise speed, single engine, doesn't tell me what the fuel burn is. Mission profiles.
2: Which one are you looking at? The The at Eclipse. The the shipping eclipse. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, do the math. Okay.
0: Yeah. Get your calculator out. Two hundred fifty nautical mile short range trip. Uh block to block fuel, four hundred and forty seven pounds. Divide that by what's what's Jet A? Seven pounds? Yeah. Uh divide that by seven pounds. You're looking at um, 60 gallons.
2: I don't know. I'm working on it here. 447 divided by 250 is 1.8. So that's 1.8 uh, pounds per nautical mile. Yeah, 1.8 pounds per nautical mile. Okay.
0: I'm more concerned that the time is 1.1 one one hour, 1 minute. So, 447 pounds divided by 61 uh, minutes. I,
1: I just found a chart with all these turbine engines, F specific fuel consumption.
2: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Enough of the math lesson. We're going to move on here. Um, see, 63. Got, it sounded like 63
0: gallons for the trip. Um, so, that's just about what you said. It, it's, seven, it's seven gallons. I'm sorry. Seven pounds to the gallon of Jet A. Um eh, That's a little high, but there's a lot of time there spent climbing at full throttle in low altitude. So, yeah.
2: moving on, we should get we should get somebody from Eclipse or someone from one of those guys on the podcast when we're in in Oshkosh. Uh, so FAA reauthorization. There's been some uh, dun, 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 dun. Uh, been some motion this week. What's the story here? Yeah, well, um. They
0: basically have finally decided that they're not going to get a a reauthorization bill, per se, out the door, at least um, until probably after the August break. Even then, I would guess that involving electoral politics this year, that uh, uh, it's going to be a very tough nut to crack. So... Uh, earlier this week, uh, there had, we'd been operating the FAA under various extensions, both of its spending authority, its reason to exist, and its taxation. The taxes flowing into the trust fund that fund the FAA in part. Um, those uh, extensions were due to, set to expire on June 30. Earlier this week, the House passed a, yet another extension as a freestanding bill. Um, that extends the FAA through the rest of the federal fiscal year to September 30. Uh, basically, leaves everything as it was. Um, I, I didn't really dive into the dollar amounts as far as airport funding and things like that. Um, but that was passed by the House earlier this week uh, in a non-controversial fashion. It goes to the Senate. It'll probably go through the Senate like a hot knife through butter. And I could be more colorful if you'd like. No, 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 it's okay. Um, um, And um, that will be the end of that at least until um, they come back after the, uh, I would guess, the the August break, actually. And it may be that that, uh, FAA just gets folded into the continuing resolution again this year. Yeah. Um,
2: But uh, right now, we're only talking September 3rd. Right. So the upshot is... uh it's going to be after the election. It's going to be after the new administration well, this, takes over. Well, this, right? didn't,
1: this didn't get them until after the election. This yeah, didn't but they'll get extend it again, the right? They're not going to f- suddenly get their
0: act together. What will happen, I think, at this stage, what the most likely thing that will happen is the, uh, um, the the FAA extension will be in the continuing resolution. There will be a continuing resolution yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that will go through uh, in September um, early October. FAA will probably be in that and it'll be, it will be left to um, the new Congress and the new president to uh, uh, to figure all that out.
1: Yeah. Okay. It dawned on me the other day that if this had gone the wrong way like yeah. a year ago yeah, and yeah. the airlines had gotten all that they wanted right. by showing off all the user fees on general aviation, that they'd still be getting buried right now because of fuel prices, right? And uh, well, I had had a person raise conversations that you know if they'd gotten the tax relief they were looking for, they might not be in this case. It's like, no, 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 no. Take a look at their fuel price increases. What they were trying to pick our pockets for, uh, doesn't even come close to covering how That's much right. more their fuel bill has gone up.
0: Right. So we're talking about billions and billions, and billions of dollars. Billions and billions of dollars. With bees. Bees. Uh, now with that it's, it's lottery ticket out That's there, what folks,
1: and, uh, and I can um, give away ninety percent of it and the, the, still live well.
0: The, the few airline pilots I know and, and with whom I've spoke spoken in the last few months, um, basically say, if you think it's been ugly in, in previous years or slash months, you ain't oh. seen nothing yet.
1: No, no. Um, and all those poor, poor, all those poor kids laying out good money to train at flight academies in hopes of getting jobs flying regional airliners, and right mm-hmm. now, regional airliners are the ones that are getting shut down the most, mm-hmm.
2: yeah. or at, exactly. at least right. in
1: parity with how much old equipment, larger, larger equipment. The the uh, mainline carriers are shutting down. It's gonna be bad. Yep.
0: Well, and what's what's going on is you know they uh, and this is, we've talked about this on the podcast before. Uh, you've got, you know, 500-hour um, puppy dog or puppy farm wonders riding shotgun in an RJ. And uh, this is no lie. I'm not going to say the car- the carrier or the, or the um, um, domicile or anything like that. But uh, I've, I've talked about a friend of mine who who, who was a captain for um, a major carrier flying RJs, um, and he tells me a few, uh, occasionally some horror stories. And this was months ago. He's telling me a story. Um, they had a uh, a brand new hire, first officer on reserve. That's what happens with brand new first officers. The guy you know was in 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 triple digits of total flight time. Um, But the company hired him, and he was on reserve as a first officer. And they needed him at the domicile. And they called him to get him to the airport because they needed a first officer on that equipment. And he said, I will be there as soon as my mother comes home so she can drive me to the airport. Oh!
1: (laughs) Oh, man. Well, and somebody sent me a, 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 a flash presentation recently that showed starting salaries for first officer and captains flying regional equipment. And uh, at the really good ones, it was uh, right in the middle third, or second right. third of the $20,000 range. Right. But but right. by and large, they were in the seventeen to $19,000 a year range mm-hmm. to be flying 80 hours a month in the right seat of a, a 4 higher human mailing tube with multiple soles in the back. Right. Uh, well, so uh, what's
0: going to happen is with, with the RJs, for example, you're going to see um, a few of them are just going to be parked. The older ones um, are just going to yeah. be parked. Um, if they are replaced on the shorter haul routes, they will be replaced with turboprops. There is nothing new under the sun. Right. Um, and you will also see at larger airports which, uh, for which a, a jet equipment is, is really necessary because of the number of seats, you will see certain carriers pull out of certain markets. Here yes. in Sarasota, for example, it's already been announced that Continental will no longer serve Sarasota. Um, they're pulling out. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what they. Yeah. I guess they used MD80s or uh, maybe seven threes down here. I don't recall. Um, but you'll start seeing that at your smaller stations at the end of the line. You know, like um, you know, Mugwump, Idaho. Um, you're going to see that locale lose scheduled service. Yeah. And and yeah. that's where. Uh, uh, they're going to be grateful that they still have GA because that's going to be the only way to fly in and out of Mugwump,
1: Idaho. And speaking uh, of GA, there's going to be a of lot of a lot of job opportunities flying corporate that's right. um, that's here exactly. and now and in the coming ten years. Uh, we're talking about a huge influx of new equipment no matter whose forecast you listen to you don't even have to listen to forecast all you have to do is track down backlogs for business jet makers mm-hmm. uh, did this little exercise recently for, for on a four hire job and came not too far away from sixty billion dollars in backlog for business jets and growing steadily, uh, because the higher number of high net value or high net worth individuals, net worth. Yeah. Uh, because the increase in interest in chartering airplanes, increase in fractionals. Uh, so you know, folks, if you're interested in making a career flying in the cockpit of a of yeah. an aircraft, you do yourself some serious good uh, getting on a track to fly corporate because. Uh, Better money, better hours, better working conditions, by and large. Uh, There's a lot to commend it to it. And uh, every ingenue I've known that's gone into a corporate flying job uh, in the last three or four years has made 50 to 100 percent more in starting right. salary than he could have gone to one of the two or three regionals flying RJs or uh, mm-hmm. uh, Embraer regionals, URJs well, here.
0: It's interesting you mentioned that my son introduced me to one of his. Um, uh, I, I'm sorry, my my son graduated college back in May, and we I'm at the at the graduation ceremony, and he introduced me to one of his buds, um, and um, we shook hands and said hello and and talked a few minutes and and uh, we walked away and and Jeremy, my son, says, "Oh, by the way, um, that guy," he says, "he knows you." Uh, he knows, you know, your magazine. He knows the podcast, et cetera. And he said, "Oh, really? I didn't." What's his interest in aviation? He says, "Oh, well, he's he's um, he's just getting his college degree. He's already got his ratings and whatnot. He's uh, um, headed off. He wants to be a corporate pilot. That was his this kid's career choice. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and um, smart kid uh, in a lot of different ways.
2: Yeah, listens uh, to the
0: podcast. Well, not only that, but." Um, he, he he knew he wanted to fly, but he also knew that maybe airlines, with all the uncertainties and and uh, uh, pecking orders that accrue to to f- try to fly scheduled, he knew that he wanted to fly corporate, and uh, he's going to find a different culture than an airline, but it's still going to be a culture, and there's still going to be a pecking order, and there's still going to be you know frustrations, uh, but they're going to be a lot different from the yeah, frustrations yeah. he would encounter at an airline. Yeah.
2: we got to move on here. we got to move yeah.
0: on.
1: Moving on. David. Uh, yes, sir. Tell us about John Miller. Uh, John Miller. Yeah. Uh, Jiminy.
2: I'm not sure if I've ever met or even been in the presence of the man. Have who you sense. met him,
1: Dave? Oh, yes. Several okay. times. Okay. Uh shot him at Oshkosh a couple of times over the years. Uh-huh. For those of you that uh, may have heard, those of you that haven't, who have never heard the name John Miller, John Miller was an iconic pilot who died this past, this past week uh, on Monday, as a matter of fact, at the age of 102 and was still an active instrument pilot into his 90s. Mm-hmm. He was one of the founding board members of the American Bonanza Society. Uh, When uh, I met Mr. Miller at Oshkosh on a number of occasions, he was in the process of a cross-continent trip for the summer, and his biggest complaint was that there in the ripe old age of late 80s and into his early 90s, somebody at the FAA at Oklahoma City just could not cotton to the idea of his age handily passing a third-class medical. Hmm. So they conditioned his flying with him flying with a safety pilot. And he seldom had trouble finding safety pilots, from what I understand. There were a lot of people willing to fly with him because what he'd seen, where he'd been. Like he witnessed at a very early age uh, a, a, a flight Glenn Curtis made from upstate New York to New York City to claim a $10,000 prize posted by, I believe, a newspaper to see if it could be done. Uh, He saw Lindbergh take off for Paris, Uh, Mm -hmm. things like that. Uh, (coughs) Just a great, great gentleman. Uh, And uh, he he seemed seemed to find some good people to fly with him because I never once heard him complain that he was flying with people that were, you know, too young to be intelligent.
0: Right, he had a hand in in so many, uh, and was there for so many you know different um, points in aviation history that it's just really uncanny. Dave mentioned uh, seeing Lindbergh take off. He was the f- the first person. He, he was a t- he was a factory pilot for Pitcairn. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably butchering the pronunciation, but no, this Pitt was in the 30s. Yeah, this was in the 30s when they were trying to market the autogyro and he landed it on top of a building. I th- I thought um it was like the Department of Commerce in Washington D.C. I think
2: I've seen that a uh, uh, video of that.
0: Yeah, there the video is is available online. It's uh-huh. it's this guy who just passed away earlier this year or earlier this week, I should say. Um he has, uh, uh, and, and this article, other articles, correctly note that three aircraft that he has flown are in the Smithsonian. Not the types, the aircraft. The actual ones. Yeah. The actual aircraft. Um. Just, just amazing uh, history, amazing uh, skill, amazing stick to itiveness, for lack of a better term. Um, and uh just an all around great guy I never had the the great pleasure to meet him but uh, uh, all the people who have and there 's a lot um I, a lot of people I know through the uh through the beach ownership uh um, mafia if you will and and the American bonanza society whomever uh who have met him and and known him over the years uh just have nothing but great things to say about him. And um, everyone was just richer for him having been around. So
1: he was um, an amazing, amazing. He really guy. was. And he just really a real was. treat to to meet. Uh, you know, like so many of us that have spent too much time without hearing protection around big loud engines and propellers, uh, he had a little bit of a hearing loss. But uh, so you, when you talk huh? to him, you talk distinctly. <laughs> yeah. Speak what?
0: speak up. That's right.
1: Uh, but uh, you know. To meet somebody that, at his age, was still actively making cross country trips a couple of times a year to visit friends and making new friends so that he had a constant pool. I mean, you think about it when a guy gets into his nineties, how many of his lifetime friends are likely to still be around mm-hmm, yeah. and it's, and John had friends all over the country uh so he'll be long remembered uh and sorry to, to to know that this yeah. this is one year we know we won't see him again gosh right. gosh
2: That's interesting. Well, thanks for telling us that story. It's John Miller. who was 102 <laughs> years old. So the FAA has issued uh, new new instructions for altitude readback. Yeah. Is this a big fine. deal? Is this just yet another?
1: Well, it's, right. it's kind of making everybody behave to the letter of the regs. Yeah. 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 And, uh, you know, I, I put this on here because it's one of the it's, it's like a not a teaching moment, but a learning moment, mm-hmm. because in flying cross country, uh, one of the things that stuck out, one of my flight instructors impressed on me was that you get the attention that you deserve by playing in the system well and sounding like you belong there. Right. And you know, part of that was just attitude. You know, get over the timidity of talking on a on, on an open radio channel. Uh, have a little confidence, even if you screw up. Screw up confidently. And you get treated <laughs> better by ATC. Uh, so over the years, and Jeb, I'm sure, has noticed this too, uh, you know, people not reading back altitude clearances, they're just sent to do this, this, and this. And I say, you know, seven such and such, whatever.
0: It's like 10
1: or they yeah, say or okay, for,
0: or, or Roger, you know, or and that's and like, sorry, sorry kids, um, that doesn't cut it.
1: Never yeah, it has. always bothers me when I'm coming into a, an, an airport where there's a lot of traffic converging, uh, when somebody does that because it leaves me unsure that they really heard what they were told.
0: That's not the biggest problem uh, in my book. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt um, to the extent. That I can, that they heard what the controller wanted them to hear, but what I'm also hearing, and what everyone else on the frequency is hearing, is a lack of professionalism. And uh, there's a right way and a wrong way to do anything. There's certainly a right way and a wrong way to to do flying, to to do aviation. And um, yes. this is this is something. It's 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 not really a rule. Per se, it's a matter of uh, controllers these days are probably busier than they ever have been, and they don't have the time or the inclination to play 20 questions with pilots, even if the pilot's chair is moving faster than the controller's chair. So, Which as, as always case. should be the case, phraseology should be precise. It should be standardized. And when you are cleared, you know, to an altitude, if you're, you know, whether it's in a tower operation, a class Bravo operation, or an IFR operation, you read back that altitude uh, in in a clear voice, and you make sure that the controller understands that you understand it by reading it back. And you also read it back so that other people on the frequency have a warm fuzzy. So you're you're thinking this is a good
2: thing? Absolutely.
0: I, I don't th- i don't think it's a bad thing i don't i don't I, i'm just sitting here reading it basically um they've updated f a a has has updated uh its air traffic control order um specifically involving the pilot acknowledgement readback paragraphs and uh this particular notice is a notice to operators of this update and kind of a reminder um that they should um Give their altitude readbacks uh, in the correct format, or they will expect, as the info uh, says, pilots omitting altitude readback should expect the following or similar controller phraseology: "Quote American 492, verify assigned altitude flight level." Unquote. In other words, the controllers are now going to actively query the pilots, the crews, if they do not give an accurate, uh, uh, altitude, uh, clearance readback. That's right, so because
1: they can't that's, that's be not a bad you heard at all. What they said, right. They right. can't be certain you heard what they said, unless they hear right. you play it back, exactly. you know, and, and, and there's going to be times when that's going to challenge a pilot a little bit. He's going to be in a busy situation, uh, taking notes wrong handed may not be the easiest thing for him or flying wrong handed while he takes notes. Uh, My biggest complaint used to be when the clearances ran longer than the palm of my right hand. (laughs) <laughs> being the high-tech guy that you are that's right well you know say, i had to say again all
0: will clear two yeah you know it's
1: like and, and god help me if my palms were sweating yeah right i mean right. you know <laughs> okay but uh no this is not a bad thing this isn't really asking any courteous smart pilot to do anything more than they should be doing already okay all right. I've got
2: a couple of shout outs I wanted to throw in here I don't know if you guys may have some as well um, real quickly I don't want to but I do want to remind folks uh, uh, Oshkosh is coming up uh, uncontrolled airspace will be there uh, as we've said before we'll be doing an episode on the first day of the show in the late afternoon and on the last day in the morning uh, they'll be at the EAA radio building and uh, if anybody wants to kind of you know observe in some way shape or fashion you can do that we'll also be live on on EA radio on the uh, AM radio station and also live on their live internet stream, so you'll be able to hear us. Very, very scary. Very scary. Um, Also, we'll be participating in the Podcast-a-Palooza event, uh, which will be happening on Friday afternoon after the air show, where a whole bunch of aviation podcast folks will get together in a big panel and and do some hangar flying, and that should be a lot of fun. Uh, That will also be broadcast live, at least the beginning of it will be broadcast live on EA Radio. If it runs long, they may have to break away to one of the evening programs, but the rest of it will be recorded uh, and Posted on the net and probably re- replayed on EA Radio. So that's on Friday evening of Air Venture, I and can't our, a bunch of podcasters running long. And that couldn't happen, right? We're all very concise, terse po- folks, right? Right. Don't like to hear ourselves talk at all. And finally, a reminder that Dave uh, and perhaps some of the others of us uh, will be speaking as part of the Affordable Flight Center program at Oshkosh this summer. And uh, I urge you to. I don't think we do. We don't. We don't know the days yet, right, Dave?
1: No, we're hoping to have that pinned down in the next couple of business days. Okay. I'm working with the young lady that's an intern for uh, Ron Wagner right now. Okay. Uh, but uh, so uh, keep
2: your eye open on the uh, on the information at the Affordable Flight Center and probably in the AirVenture Today newspaper and maybe even in the show guide uh, for information about when Dave will be speaking uh, so you can decide whether you want to either run towards or away from that event. That's right.
1: <laughs> we do We do recognize that some will want to exercise the more judicious option.
2: That's right. And finally, I wanted to point out that uh, I, this happened almost a month ago. I'm, I'm terribly, terribly embarrassed to have not noticed earlier, but uh, our own Amy Lobota appeared on the on uh, Pilot Will Hawkins uh, uh, Pilot Podlog uh, back on early June. It's actually still the most current episode over there, but uh, a very, very interesting conversation that uh, Will had with Amy, and uh, I learned some things about Amy that I... Not that I know everything there is to know about Amy, but there were some things that... Uh, um, she learned to fly in my old stamp- stomping grounds up there in uh, central Cal- northern california and uh, uh, you don't
0: hold that against her though
2: no no so oh, okay i think
1: well, there's some things that she pays people to keep out that's of
2: right that's right so uh so check out amy on uh on pilot will's podlog uh that's uh i believe it's pilotwill.blogspot.com and uh that's that's the shout outs i have you guys got any shout outs before we wrap this thing up yeah, the only thing I would um, um,
0: bring up, and it's really on our um, on our story list here, um, NASA's Aviation Safety Reporting System has been around for going on thirty years, maybe more, and they've been putting out a, a monthly publication called Callback, uh, which is just an excellent uh, um, quick read, but just an excellent summary. Highlights of some of the things that go on in the air traffic control system on a day-to-day basis.
1: All contributed by the people who all, all, all were there. All
0: contributed by, by people who were there, and, and we don't have enough time to get into the whys and wherefores of the ASRS program, but um, the um, callback publication for years was uh, uh, available only by mail. It was... Uh, uh, on the printed on this this blue uh, legal size paper and folded kind of funky and it was just kind of an interesting little publication. NASA did a very very good job with it and of course as time marches on it, it also became available um, in the electronic uh, distribution um, mm-hmm. via the uh, the ASRS website. Well just recently Uh, um, Modernity has finally taken hold And callback will no longer be available uh, in hard copy Hmm. Distributed via mail But in the bargain, you can go to the, uh, the ASRS website And you can sign up and get an email notification When it is published electronically With a link to click on it um, and and go read the most recent issue. It's highly recommended for anyone who who takes their flying seriously, and absolutely. For anyone who who kind of really wants to know about the real world uh, of what goes on out there in the aviation system, I put a, bl- a similar blurb in um, in July's Aviation Safety on this. Um, and um, it's it's a good thing. It's we you know kind of sorry to see the the old blue sheet go, but we don't need to be cutting down too many more trees these days. So
1: well, and it's, to had a real short, sweet to Jeb's endorsement, which I wholeheartedly concur with. Uh, I started reading call back 25, 26 years ago, yeah. uh, but there is an aspect of the uh, aviation safety reporting system that every pilot should know about every CFI should educate their students on and you should carry the form with you and that's the mea culpa confession that you can do ahead of getting violated by the FAA and for some things it will keep you immune for uh, for, for certificate action in minor things admittedly but hey when, why not if it's there take advantage of it and it's look also look. a place not just to learn but to share as you that's learn right. things as you experience things that's a perfect place to submit your own tales of there I was at umpteen thousand feet and this silly stuff went on because I screwed up mm-hmm. okay. that's the primary thing here is people confessing where they made a mistake that's right
2: it is a cool exactly. program I couldn't agree more I, I agree with everything you guys just said. I'm curious how many of those slips have you ever sent in just I refuse to answer
0: that
1: question. On the <laughs> okay. that it. Thank Jeb you. actually Jeb actually has a sheet of the labels printed out. I,
0: I have yeah, I have um, the post it notes. I have tablets of those. I have a couple, you know, in, in, in the airplane, I have a couple at home, I have a couple at Dave's house.
2: Okay. He sleeps with one. That's right. Thank you, boys. I appreciate it. Dave Higdon is an aviation photographer, a senior editor for Kit Kitplanes magazine, and the U.S. editor for London's World Aircraft Sales they, they magazine. A senior editor. I know. Jesus no, it's, it's, he told us last week. It's just because he's the oldest of all the editors there. <laughs> you can learn more about David and, and his work at kitplanes.com or avbuyer.com/slash/worldaircraftsales. Or AEA.net, and one of these days back at com. Thanks to Jeb. Jeb is an aviation journalist currently serving as the editor in chief of Aviation Safety Magazine. Learn more about Jeb and his work at uh, JebBurnside.com, AviationsafetyMagazine.com, or AvWeb.com. Uh, are you senior at anything, Jeb? Uh, I am not old enough to be senior at anything yet, uh,
0: but uh, the way things have been going lately, I'll probably get there sooner than I want.
2: <laughs> and I am Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a new media producer. Learn more about my work and me at jackhodgson.com or aroundthefield.net. Uh, my grandfather was senior. I am the third. Just so. <laughs> And you can learn more about all of us at the uh, uncontrolledairspace.com website. So, thank you everyone for joining us this evening in the virtual hangar.
1: That's enough talk. Let's go flying. And remember, time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. So, follow Jack's advice.